This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 171, Comic Reviews of the Week of Wednesday, May 28th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 171. It's the Comic Reviews episode for comics that come out Wednesday, May 28th. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Welcome to the show. Uh, every week we take a look at uh, reviews for the comics that came out the previous week uh, in our odd-numbered episode. So if this is your first episode, welcome. Uh, if you're a regular listener, then uh, welcome back. Uh, now, unfortunately, I've been actually quite under the weather the last few days, uh, So, and I've actually lost my voice a little bit as well and a little bit so i'm quite under the weather at the moment so unfortunately this episode is going to be a little bit briefer than normal um i sometimes try to do briefer episodes when i run a little late in the week uh this will kind of be a little bit more like that if not even a little bit more abbreviated just because i am losing my voice and as i said a little bit under the weather but wanted to make sure i got an episode out this week uh so first up we have all new invaders number five uh, this continues the storyline by James Robinson and uh, uh, I guess what Stephen or Steve Pugh or Pug or Pugh. I don't know how to pronounce it. Unfortunately, I should know by now. Uh, this is Gods and Soldiers Part Five, um, so it kind of resolves the whole storyline with the Gods Whisper. Uh, I I liked it. I thought the writing was pretty snappy. I like the artwork as well. Uh, I like how Human Torch is being written here. Uh, I like how they end up getting, kind of getting out of the bind that they're in here. I like the idea of Namor kind of hoping that there's more opportunities for the team to get together. I am interested to see how this this book will operate on a on a monthly basis now that the original storyline is complete. Uh, also, Captain America he doesn't run Shield anymore, so it's weird that he's basically welcoming Human Torch to Shield. But uh, that being said, it's it's not a bad move, and I'm actually really glad I read this prior to the Fantastic Four issue that came out this week because that's kind of related. Um, and uh, the last page, I'm not really sure what this is supposed to be with with, with uh, the Vision uh, operating with uh, Icarus, but uh, it should be interesting um, to see what's really going on here. I'm interested to see what the original sin tie-ins will be like. Um, I like this. It was fairly good. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Um, it wasn't the best thing I've ever read, but it was quite a solid book still. Uh, next up is Aquaman 31. Um, so this continues the storyline by Jeff Barker and Paul Pelletier. I love the inclusion of the Swamp Thing. I thought it was really clever. I like seeing Swamp Thing versus uh, Aquaman and kind of seeing how they're dealing with each other. I loved Mirror's whole subplot, which is actually more than just a subplot. It's like at least, well, maybe it's not half the issue, but it felt like it at times. Um, and seeing more and more about what this uh, what uh, Triton Base is really doing. I'm not sure I care as much about what's going on in Triton Base, but... Um, it is an opportunity to create another adversary. I like where they're going with Mira and her exploration of the Underwater Kingdom. Uh, Aquaman and Swamp Thing was some really good interactions, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10, and the artwork by Pelletier is fantastic. Uh, next up is Avengers number 30. Uh, this continues the original Sin tie-in, um, although it also starts something completely different. So it's by uh, Jonathan Hickman and Lana Francis Yu. Uh, basically, going into this issue, you have uh, the time gem has transported everyone basically almost 50 years into the future, or betrayal plus 48 years. Um, it's kind of weird. There's all these like Iron Man suits in the future, and they're still trying to kind of have their fight while also realizing that they're displaced in time. Um, Starbrand, I, I, the way he's been illustrated by Francis Yu makes me feel like he's being portrayed as being a much older, more mature character than he should be based on how he was originally uh, portrayed. 
Um, so that is definitely interesting. Uh, seeing Tony kind of talking about what's going on and why he's done certain things. Uh, then we have um, the, the futuristic versions of the Avengers show up, including a star brand. You see a future version of Hawkeye. Um, I love this kind of stuff, this kind of future stuff, and seeing you know what may or may not happen, and then the time gem shunting them forward to the future. Um, really cool storyline. I think a lot of it will end up, uh, in terms of how good it really is, will be how it all ends, uh, because we're only seeing pieces of the picture, uh, which I feel like in the back in the day we would have gotten. Like I always remember, I think it was Iron Man number eleven in the Heroes Reborn era. Um, there's an issue where Doctor Doom and Iron Man go sh- get shunted through time, uh, and I always found it really interesting as a kid because I was like maybe 14, 13 years old. Um, let's see, that would have been almost 97. I would have been about 13, 14. Um, so I'm reading this, and I, I, and I haven't read a lot of Marvel Universe at that time. I started getting into Spider-Man, definitely was into X-Men. I hadn't read a, a lot of other stuff. Iron Man was kind of my... I mean, Marvel Universe kind of character at the time. So reading that and seeing him go through time and seeing them kind of go to these famous moments in Marvel history was always really cool. And there was, they shunted through a bunch. And I feel like if you did that comic today, each time they shunted would be like its own issue. But back in the day, we got like five or six of these shunts. Like it was really cool and fast-paced. And I feel like this time it didn't need to be as drawn out as it did. Um, I like where they're going with it. I just don't think they needed to spend as much time to get excuse me, to the end of the issue as they did. Uh, that being said, I'm still going to give it an 8 out of 10 because I, what we did get was still quite well done and the artwork was impeccable and I love the Hickman script. Um, next up is Batman 31 as we continue the march to the end of the Zero Year. I did like this issue. It's by Snyder and Capullo. Um, I feel like we're we're getting... It's getting more and more interesting with the whole you know Batman versus Riddler kind of idea. Uh, him kind of Batman assembling a team of Lucius Fox and uh, Gordon uh, Batman having a way to kind of survive uh, what Riddler has planned for him um, kind of interesting tweaking of the origin of Batman or sorry Bruce Wayne in terms of uh, his not answering certain math problems it was kind of weird but um, I liked this I was, and I thought the art was actually pretty cool I liked the um, the look on Batman he looks different Maybe it's just the way the Capullo uh, is illustrating him in this storyline. He does look like a very much like a year one style version of Batman, um, and I like it. And uh, it kind of reminds me of these kind of certain looks or aspects of his look that he had back in the uh, the old days, uh, back in the forties. Um, so I, I, I dug this uh, more than I have most chapters of this storyline. I'm gonna give it an eight. So that's, that's three eight so far. That's a good week so far. Uh, next up is Batman Eternal. Uh, this is issue number eight. Uh, the artwork this issue is by Guillaume March, and he does, again, I'm glad that they have a lot, bunch of artists who seem to have similar styles. So him, I think last issue's artist, I forget who, what his name was, uh, Andy Clark, uh, Jason Fabok, seem to have relatively similar styles, and the colorists, I guess, are maintaining a certain element uh, that's consistent, so I like that. Um, the issue itself is written by Scott Snyder and James Tini IV is doing the storage, uh, John Lehman wrote the script, and contributing writers were Ray Fox and Tim Seeley. Um, I like this issue a lot. Um, having Jason Bard kind of confronted with what's really going on, uh, him having an interesting interaction with uh, Vicky Vale. We see more about uh, the spoiler, uh, Stephanie Brown, and it turns out her mother may, may actually be in on it as well. Uh, Batman shows up at the commissioner's and basically gets ambushed, but thanks to Jason Bard, he survives. Um, it, it was, it, we didn't, and then he goes to Hong Kong at the end, Batman does. 
and Catwoman appears to already be there. There's definitely a lot of interesting kind of elements going on here. Um, if this was a monthly book, I might be a little bit more like, well, like we're we're not moving a lot of elements along, and there's a lot of plots kind of all juggling for space. But because it's a weekly, I'm more likely to give it a little bit more of a wider berth because I think you need that in a weekly. You want to have a bunch of different focuses so that one week you can kind of uh, lay off on one and have another. Like Gordon doesn't even really show up here at all. I think there's maybe one shot of him in prison. Um, but I, I think it's just it's a really well done book. The art, again, by Guillaume March does a fairly good job of maintaining this consistent tone. However, there were a few shots where I wasn't really clear on the artwork. Like it, And certain shots of Batman when he shows up on the roof, that didn't quite work for me either. But for the most part, I'm enjoying it. Um, continues to be a surprisingly solid weekly. Uh, I say surprising just because DC did hit Pater with 52, and then Countdown was a mess, and Trinity was better, but still not critically well received. So now that they're doing, you know, two weeklies at the moment, about to launch a new one soon, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of people wondering, like, should they be producing this many weeklies? There's a lot of effort that goes into a weekly book. Should they be pumping out this many? Is there editorial kind of um, directive to help align the weeklies, especially the nice thing about 52 is that it took place in a year when there were no real other stories. Now, it was supposed to tell you what was happening in that year, in that missing year, and it ended up not really telling you about most characters what they're really doing, but instead told you this story, these stories for these other characters, which was thrilling and exciting, so I don't think anyone was really upset about it. Uh, anyways, moving forward, we've got Fantastic Four number five. Um, I really like this as a continuity geek. Um, I listened to a podcast recently with James Robinson on it, and I was trying to keep it in mind as I read this, because... I can see certain things I'm like, well, they've kind of done this type of thing before um, in terms of like having the uh, the FF kind of, not on trial per se, but public opinion turns against them. Like that has happened. Mark Wade did it. Uh, but I do like how they do it here. Um, it's a, There's an elaborate court case against the FF. Um, if you know your continuity and you know all these few past things that the Fantastic Four have done, uh, this issue is really exciting. Uh, a lot of the art. I mean, it's kind of a... It's a nice kind of look back at FF history, and I like that a lot. Um, there's a lot of guest artists who worked on this as well. It's a double-sized issue. Uh, Leonard Kirk does the main art. Uh, there's a Fantastic Four number one flashback by Chris Soudney. Uh The Thing vs. Hulk flashback is by Dean Haspiel and Jim Caralampidus. Uh, Submariner Invasion flashback is by Paul Ravoche. Inhuman flashback is by Phil Humanez. Uh, the Doom vs. Fantastic Four flashback is by Chris, Chris Somney. Uh, Galactus flashback by Mike Allred. Uh, the Annihilus and Blastar flashback is by Jim Sterling and Andy Smith. Uh, the Malak is by Jerry Ross. It looks similar. Uh, Doom and Val, the segment is by journalist Santa Cruz. And Future Foundation segment is by June Brigman and Roy Richardson. So I definitely like the sensibility here. Uh, having this court case going against the FF and it's not really going that well per se. Um, and it's all stuff that's very much in canon, all these true things. And I love when continuity is respected and utilized. Um, and it looks like you know the, the future fan and children are basically being taken away from Mr. Mr. Fantastic. Now, that has been done before. I mean, I think that was done by JMS. Um, and he kind of toyed with the idea and then wrapped it up quickly. I'm wondering where Robinson's going to go with it. Um, and then we go to... Um, a, go to Italy where Dr. Doom takes on Count Nefaria and takes him out pretty easily, which was kind of cool. And him and Valeria basically working together and uh, the idea that, you know, maybe sometimes uh, Victor Von Doom doesn't have to be a villain but can also be a hero. 
which is pretty interesting. And then we see what's happening at Shield Base Designation 4201, which is formerly Camp Hammond, as the Future Foundation shows up, and we have a shadowy man kind of talking about these new kids coming there, and we find out it's actually Jim Hammond, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, also a Human Torch, so I like that Robinson's writing Human Torch in both books. Actually, he's writing two... Okay, Johnny's not actually a Human Torch right now because he has no powers, so there is still a Human Torch in this book, and it's Jim Hammond, who's also in All New Invaders, which Robinson also writes. Um, I enjoyed this uh, probably a little bit more than the All New Invaders. Um, it played to kind of Robinson's, some of Robinson's strengths, and what I love as a reader the most, so I liked it. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, next up is Guardians of the Galaxy 15. I guess a lot of people complained, and Brian Michael Bendis actually uh, addressed this on Twitter, that uh, Captain Marvel is prop- is very prominent on the cover, yet it appears nowhere. Now, that happens. People, The covers aren't really a good indication of what's inside the issue often, but it says, like, and now Captain Marvel, and she's not even anywhere to be found, not even on the last page. So it's kind of a giant misnomer. Uh, it's written by uh, Bendis with art by Nick Bradshaw and Cameron Stewart. Uh, basically, the Guardians are all separated, and they're all, like, Rocket Raccoon is uh, is kind of being studied, and Gamora is kind of getting her butt kicked. Uh, Drax is trying to uh, confront uh, Gladiator and, uh, and go him into combat. Uh, the Flash is uh, subdued by a bunch of Skrulls who pretend to be the secret Avengers that he was part of. Um, the Brood uh, dispose of Groot. And then we have... Uh, uh, Star-Lord trying to decide that he'll take up uh, his dad on his offer, but his Mojo Dome was kind of saying, we're not going to do that. And then Star-Lord takes off and jumps into no- into nothingness, essentially. And that's it. That's the issue. So um, I don't think it was that strong an issue just because like, we got a bunch of scenes, but I don't know. There's no real momentum. It was just kind of like, yeah, everyone's screwed. Um, I feel like almost it could have been... Some of these sequences could have been half the length, and then we could have seen a little bit more that maybe get them out of this or something. I feel like we got half a story. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. And I wasn't a big fan of the Bradshaw artwork either, or the Stewart artwork. Uh, next up is uh, Iron Patriot number 3. Uh, I read this, and I felt like I hadn't read issue 2, although I know I have. Uh, but it really made me feel like I hadn't read the last issue. Um, you got this, this character tries to save James Rhodes. Um, James Rhodes' family is kind of being held hostage. Uh, Rhodes has to work with this guy so to protect, uh, help protect and save his family. Uh, his father may, may, may or may not be dead. That's what happens here. And uh, his niece you know, takes off and uh, is trying to get some help. Again, I felt that this was kind of half an issue. I mean, it didn't have a lot of movement, and I wasn't really a big fan of it. Um, the script I found a little bit lacking. Um, it just didn't do a lot to really grab me. Uh, Alice Cott wrote it with Gary Brown and Art. The art didn't really appeal to me either. I'm going to give it a four. I, mean, I just really didn't care for it. Uh, next up is Miss Marvel number four. Love it. Um, the artwork is very specific. Like it's This book is kind of a, a all on its own. It's uh, artwork by Adrian Alfona. Uh, it's written by G. Willow Wilson. Uh, we get more of what's happening to Camilla. Uh, sorry, Kamala. Um, here she finally tells her her best friend what happened to her so that he doesn't call the cops or or the police sorry police or medics although they already have um, it's really interesting kind of take on this new character um, and her kind of make maintaining like a, a type of costume for herself um, this book has its own quirky style but I'm loving it I'm going to give it a 8.5 out of 10. It's just it's a really enjoyable read, different than most other Marvel books that are being published. And uh, 
it's it's something special. I like it. Uh, next up is Nightwing number thirty. Um, now, when I first read this, I mean, so it's written by Tim Seeley and Tom King, um, and it's artwork by Javier Garon uh, doing art in part one, and Jorge Lucas doing art in part two, with Mikkel Yanin doing pencils, and uh, Guillermo Ortego doing inks for part three. So part one I was least interested in, um, which appears to be like a, a tale of Leslie Tompkins uh, being kind of defended and protected. Uh, and abducted by this group, and then having this kind of memory in her mind, but she doesn't know what she may have told them. And then we go to the second part of the story, which was much more entertaining, um, which is all about Nightwing and uh, and Batman having a fight. Although I don't really get it here, because like no one actually... I, I, I thought everyone knew that Nightwing survived what happened to him in Forever Evil, but apparently they're going to go with the cover identity that instead he died. And um, Bruce, Bruce Wayne wants him to go undercover and pretend, you know, no longer be Nightwing, no longer kind of give up his identity to go undercover for him. I don't know if I really got why he would do this for him. Um, it's kind of a weird take, like, especially the way that Bruce was acting. I, I didn't really like that either. I, I like that they were having a knockdown dragon fight. That was awesome. And then seeing him later kind of doing all these kind of secret agent things so that he would be recruited by this, by this agency is cool. It just... I don't know. I, I I prefer him as a Nightwing. I don't really need him to be a secret agent. That being said, I'm interested to see what Tom King and uh, Tim Seeley will end up doing with him. So I mean, this could be a really great book eventually. Um, it's just it's a weird final issue of Nightwing. That's all. Um, so I, I'm gonna give it a I don't know. I don't even know what to give it. Uh, I kind of want to give it a seven out of ten. Um, it had some really good elements. I mean, the, that first story I didn't really enjoy. Uh, the second story much better the third story kind of cool um, so I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 total uh, next up is the new 52 features end number 4 the weekly that doesn't need to exist that's some, some weird future that we don't really care about yet uh, much of the issues by, with uh, Frankenstein which I really could care less about uh, and Amethyst in the future um, and also dealing with like uh, Ray Palmer and the interesting parts of the issue are seeing what's going on with Red Robin but there's not a lot really developed with him either just the fact that he's kind of turned his back on his old life and uh, he doesn't like seeing Batman Beyond makes him think that Bruce Wayne has got yet another person dressed up in a bat costume uh, it's just to see where they go there um, we have the key and this trying to get this other guy to do team up with them we have another story about Grifter who I do not care about at all uh, I this this book is really trying my patience because it's just they have a bunch of elements going on but they all feel so disparate and um, there's no real sense of like what's going like the Jason Rush stuff and uh, Ronnie Raymond was more interesting that's an interesting aspect as well as the death of Green Arrow but then you have the stuff with Frankenstein that I don't really get or care about in the Stormwatch uh, continued focus on Grifter a character I know nothing and care nothing about uh, seeing Red Robin who we don't really have any context for why he is the way he is and then you have what Lois Lane trying to find out more about it and why he's pretending to be dead um, I don't know, and, and now we don't even know what's going on with Batman Beyond because like he tried to break into uh, Tech and that was kind of it. We haven't seen him since. Like it's kind of weird. Um, it's written by Brian Azzarello, Jeff Lemire, Dan Jurgens, and Keith Giffen, all good people, and Aaron Lepresti on art. Which again, I thought this was kind of not the best artwork by him either. Uh, I'm gonna give this about a five, and I, I think I'm being nice. Uh, Green Lanterns 31 is next. Um, I like this. It. Picked up from the last issue or from uh, Supergirl, if you were reading that, as Atrocitus and Dexter are trying to uh, convince the new Red to go with them. 
um, who's kind of acting as a judge. Uh, also, Supergirl, again, dealing with kind of thinking and th- doing acting without thinking and maybe causing more harm than she means to. Um, and we're getting closer and closer to eventually having a real showdown with um, Guy Gardner and Atrocitus, but for now they're going to have to try and save Rancor. Um, I dug this. I, I did think it was interesting. I liked Kara, how she interacts with this group, and seeing how the Relentless is actually written now. Uh, Charles Sewell does a great job, and I really like VD on artwork, so I'm going to give this an 8. Uh, next up is Secret Origins number 2. Um, this was good. This is solid. I mean, the, the, these are origins we don't necessarily need to get, but they're good. Um, the first one with Batman, it's written by uh, Ray Fox and Dustin Wynn. Um, it's kind of in and around the Zero Year kind of style story. Um, we see a very young Bruce Wayne, and then we see like a little flashback of what happens during uh, Zero Hour, which kind of leads him to this point where he decides to become a bat. We've seen it before, but it's still interesting. I thought the Aquaman story was actually much better. Um, no offense to the, to the Batman story, I just thought it was really strong, kind of show, filling in some of the gaps that we haven't quite seen directly of how Aquaman was kind of first uh, shown seeing his powers, um, how he first goes and kind of becomes uh, King Arthur, uh, kind of co- some cool stuff and seeing how that works and framing it with him talking to his mom at his gravesite was cool as well it's written by Jeff Parker who again is writing the current book by Alvaro Martinez in art and I thought he did a great job then there was the Starfire story now I have to admit I didn't really read this story I I was kind of flipped through it I just I found I didn't really care uh, I was trying to care I just was it wasn't really engaging me it's by Paulo Sequeira on art who I do like and Scott LaBell on the script who wrote her in uh, in uh, Teen Titans oh wait not Teen Titans where, where the hell has she been uh, I read her in the Outlaws originally I think uh, I'm going to give it about a six and a half, uh, mainly because I didn't really care for what I read of um, of the Starfire story, but I did enjoy the other two, Which, but I think that's it's dragging it down, the Starfire story, for sure. Uh, next up is Suicide Squad number 30. Now, this is a really big pet peeve of mine. Um, so Marvel's done this thing where they keep ending books. Yes, Marvel. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, they keep ending books and then relaunching them as part of like old new Marvel Now, Marvel Now, whatever. The old new, old different Marvel Now, I'm sure, is the next one, I'm sure. Um, but usually they have like, you know, kind of a different bent to the book, different creative team, and it feels like it, it is something different from the previous volume. In fact, often the last issue of the previous volume won't really lead into it. It just ends that volume, and then we get a new volume. So here, and then Nightwing kind of did this, but I forgive it more, because Nightwing needed a way to address Forever Evil uh, and, and set up the character for Grayson, and... Grayson's a completely different concept as Nightwing, so it made sense you have to end the book and create something new, and you have to do some some sort of dovetailing because you have to bring a close to Nightwing's story because of the nature of it, because he's not going to be Nightwing anymore, and now he's going to be Dick Grayson, agent of Spiral. Um, but with Suicide Squad, we're getting a new Suicide Squad, but do we need a new book? And I don't think we do, because we have this issue that's basically an aftermath of Forever Evil, but really what it is is setting up the new volume. So that's what irritates me more is that the new volume doesn't need to exist it could just be Suicide Squad number 31 coming out but instead we're getting a new number one because they want the new number one now obviously Marvel relaunches all the time but I feel like that recently they've made more of a commitment to making it more based on creators or like a certain element of of driving it as opposed to just doing it maybe I'm giving them too much credit Uh, so this is written by Sean Ryan with artwork by Andre Colet 
Coelho and uh, Scott Hanna. Uh, now we open with Black Manta getting uh, you know his um, uh, his official pardon in Washington D.C. after his, after the events of Forever Evil. Uh, we then see Ms. Amanda Waller kind of being stripped of her powers and abilities uh, as leader of intelligence and really dressed down um, at the I guess it was at the Senate or I don't know who where it is exactly, but. Uh, she's being dressed down in a big way. We have a, a dead shot being moved um, from one prison to another. Uh, we have Black Man trying to decide what to do because now that Aquaman's still alive, he's still able to get his vengeance. Uh, the same guy who uh, Grant kind of was speaking with uh, dead shot, sorry, uh, Black Manta earlier, then talks to Amanda Waller, basically says that she's not going to be head of Argus anymore, she's done, uh, but she is still going to be in charge of the Task Force X, because a lot of people like Task Force X, and think it uh, could be bigger and do more, um, and then uh, the, you know, transport that Deadshot's in gets attacked, and uh, but Deadshot's like, we're not getting saved, because... A SWAT team is going to take down these losers that you have here. Black Manta gets into a giant brawl, beats up a bunch of people, and then gets arrested by the police. Um, and we kind of find out that he wants in on Task Force X, and that's why he allowed himself to get uh, to get caught. And this is all going to lead into new Suicide Squad number one. So this was—it's not a bad issue. It's just a weird kind of collection of of weird story of like kind of disparate story beats, which really only serve to set up Suicide Squad number one or new Suicide Squad number one, whatever it is. And it's less of Suicide Squad 30 because it does less to bring a close to this era because we don't really see a lot of the characters who really have been part of the Suicide Squad. Instead, we're just setting up the new book. So I'm going to give it a four out of 10. I just, I was not a fan of how this was done. Um, and I mean, it was, maybe I'm being a little too harsh, Maybe we'll give it a five. Uh, I also don't really care for what they're doing to Amanda Waller, and the script was a little tedious at times. Um, taking, talking about a, a tedious script, we have Thanos Annual Number One. So we got Jim Starlin and Ron Lim. Um, now this story is completely a flashback to a specific version of Thanos who fails in something he does against Captain Marvel. So this is a long time ago in uh, let's see, classic Marvel. What, 33 in 1974 so this is a 40 year old comic basically we're seeing something from 40 years ago um, Thanos gets saved by the, rescued by the Blood Brothers and then gets abducted and confronted by Mephisto and this is a weird version of Thanos to see because he's basically giving up and he's about to be kind of uh, taken in and destroyed by Mephisto when an avatar of uh, the Thanos from when he went, wielded the Infinity Gauntlet shows up um, to talk to Thanos and then basically tell him what his future holds um, so he tries to protect him, shows him what his fu- which future would hold, what he'll do um, when I, once he has the gauntlet, once he fights all the heroes, uh, once he eventually becomes part of the Infinity Watch, um, what happens in Infinity War, uh, him fighting Galactus in the future, um, you know, him eventually getting killed by Drax, uh, all these things that kind of happen in his future. Um, it's kind of a weird issue because it's kind of like a... It, like none of this matters. I mean, like it's all future stuff. It's all stuff that eventually happens. In, which in his in this Thanos's future, but really our past. Like twenty years ago is when Infinity War happened. Um, it's just it's a weird issue. I mean, I like the writing with Jim Starlin. It's not a okay. It's not actually bad. It's just it feels very inconsequential. Like not only are we just seeing something that Thanos doesn't even end up remembering, but it's a previous version of Thanos from a story from 40 years ago, where a story from 20 years ago sends a version of himself back in time to a 20-year earlier story to tell him things but then wipe his memory of that entire event. 
Um, it just felt like, can you wipe my memory? Because what was the point of that entire exercise? Uh, I'm going to give it a six. Um, then we have Uncanny Avengers number 20. I thought we'd get more out of these kind of Kang's Avengers type of type things, but we didn't really get to see any of that, which is unfortunate because potentially it could be so cool. Instead, so we have Magneto versus uh, Havoc, and then um, uh, Cyclops basically switches sides. We have Cable versus Strife, etc., etc. Uh, basically, Cyclops believes in Havoc and says that maybe we should let you do what you need to do uh, to go back in time. Um, so a lot of it is just a big fight sequence so that we can get the X-Men to the point, or the Uncanny Avengers to the point where they're going to be sent back in time to their previous bo- younger bodies to save the Earth, and then we don't really know if some, if it's worked out or not. Um, it's still entertaining, but not the strongest issue we've had thus far. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. And as we uh, move into the home stretch here, next up is Winter Soldier, Bitter March, number four. So we continue the journey to see how the Iron Nail is eventually created, I guess, because Rand Shen eventually becomes the Iron Nail. Um, it's written by Rick Remender, artwork by Boshi, Roland Boshi, sorry. Uh, remains an enjoyable kind of yarn as we see, like, I forget this name of this character, but he's kind of mentally uh, digging around in Winter Soldier and kind of... Uh, un- undoing some of the brainwashing so that Bucky starts to know a little bit more about himself. Uh, Ranshen trying to save this this woman he's protecting. Uh, Bucky kind of trying to help and Bucky and Ranshen kind of um, teaming up to go up against this guy and are able to save um, her life, but, but Bucky gets her so presumably he's able to bring her back to the Soviets now. And then Ranshen seems to be beating the shit out of this uh, Hydra goon and it looks pretty brutal as he does it. Um, this was it was very enjoyable, and not quite as enjoyable as some of the previous issues. Didn't quite have the same pop art feel. I'm still going to give it a seven point five out of ten. And last up is Wolverine number seven. Uh, this is by Paul Cornell, and it's got artwork by none other than uh, let's see, Gerardo Sandoval. Um, the the cover. Is kind of a weird one, but it, it does kind of happen with Patch over uh, Armored Wolverine. Um, here we have an issue where Wolverine's kind of trying to decide if he should go after Sabretooth or not. Wolverine ended up being kind of taken out by the hand. Um, then Faiza Shah, sorry, Faiza Hussain has healing powers and heals him, but uh, Pinch sees what happens, so she's starting to doubt Wolverine and doubting their relationship as well. Uh, Wolverine kind of goes up against all these different variants of himself. I don't really get what. I didn't really understand what the hell was happening at the time. Uh, having Wolverine going up against himself and Pinch not really believing in him. Um, Captain Britain kind of saving um, Wolverine at the end. Um, it's it's kind of a, a lot of weird things going on. And the Sabretooth kind of, again, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. Like, I, this, this weird sphere that's going on and all this weird shit. Like, I thought I understood what was going on. After, after last issue but then with this issue I really was thrown for a loop uh, the artwork at times is a little muddied uh, the story could be a little bit stronger I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10 uh, so nothing too terrible this this week except for I mean I didn't really like Iron Patriot or Guardians of the Galaxy I gave them I think the lowest markings this week as well as Suicide Squad uh, books I didn't have a chance to look at this week include Avengers of, Adventures of Superman 13 All-Star Western 31 Catwoman 31 Dead Boy Detectives number 6 Deadpool 29, Dexter Down Under, number 4, Disney Kingdom's uh, Seekers of Weird, number 5, Flash 31, I can't believe I forgot about that, uh, Giant Size Spider-Man, number 1, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, 13, Inhuman, number 2, Injustice Gods Among Us, year 2, number 5, 
That's a long title. Iron Man 26, Justice League Dark 31, Larfleeze 11, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man 26, Marvel Gar- Guardians of Galaxy Prelude number 2, Mighty Avengers number 10, Superman 31, which is another chapter in uh, in Doomed Infected, and Thunderbolts 26. Uh, looking forward, uh, next week, uh, or as I, as I record this in two days, so on June 4th, uh, the following titles will be released. Uh, we're going to be looking at new chapters of... Uh, Aquaman and the Others, a new issue of Action Comics. Uh, trade paperback-wise, you have the Batman and Robin trade paperback volume 3, Death of the Family, as well as the hardcover volume 4, da- Requiem for Damien, which had... Uh, there's a beautiful issue in there, um, which I thought was going to be in the Death of the Family trade, which wasn't, where it was the first kind of Requiem mission. It was so touching and heartbreaking. Um, and now that I have a son, I feel like I should go back and read it again. Because I don't know if... I think when it came out, I, I'd had my son. I'm not sure, but uh, it definitely is a, it hits you hard. Um, we have the debut of Batman 66 meets Green Hornet by Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. A little curious what that's going to be like. Uh, new issues of Batman Eternal, Batwing, uh, Earth 2, um, Green Arrow, a new chapter of Uprising and Green Lantern. Uh, you ha- if you missed out on Harlequin number one in the first three printings, the fourth printing is coming out as well as the second printing of Harlequin number three. I'm shocked that it's uh, it's doing that well, but maybe they're just not printing that many in each volume or each print run. I mean, uh, New Fifty Two Futures End number five, which is the weekly book, uh, Stormwatch trade paperback volume two, as well as volume four. I feel like the trade paperback volume two must be the original Stormwatch, not the New Fifty Two version, uh, as well as the new issues of Vampire Diaries. Um, what else we got coming up? Uh, Old New X Factor, Amazing X Men, Amazing X Men Annual, Avengers World, Black Widow, Captain America, Cyclops. Uh, it, the Inhumanity hardcover comes out, which I can't imagine anyone really caring that much about it. Uh, Indestructible Hulk has its Volume Four uh, hardcover, Humanity Bomb. Uh, there's new issues of Iron Fist, Living Weapon, Loki, Agent of Asgard, Magneto Number Five. Sorry, Magneto. Uh, a new issue of Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, new issues of Moon Knight, New Warriors. Uh, there's a Nova Classic Volume uh, Trade Paperback Volume Three, uh, Original Sin Number Three is coming out, as well as Punisher Number Six and Superior Foes of Spider-Man Number Twelve. Um, and if you like On the Buy, which I usually do, but not necessarily for newer stuff, you have the Wolverine and the X-Men by Jason Aaron Omnibus. Uh, so that is everything coming out on June Fourth, or not everything, but uh, a selection of uh, of items that are coming out then. Uh, thank you for listening to Comic Shenanigans. This has been episode 171, uh, the comic reviews for week of Wednesday, May 28th. You can reach me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, as well as please subscribe to us on iTunes as well so that you'll get all the new episodes automatically downloaded uh, when you open up your iTunes browser when we have a new episode that has come out. Uh, this week we have a Talking Heroclix episode coming out with uh, me and uh, Leonor Alana uh, chatting uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, by the time the podcast comes out, uh, that set will have been like over a month old, um, but we finally had a chance to sit down and open up a, um, two countertop displays of it last week, so that's what that episode is going to be about. Um, yeah, and uh, future episodes, um, I'm working on something special. I don't want to say anything to jinx it, but there is hopefully something special coming down the pike that'll be a little bit different, a bit of a departure in terms of what I've been able to do on the show before, but very exciting if it happens depends out um and hopefully throughout the summer i'm going to be trying to do some more top fives with uh nathan struck i think he's working on his top five avengers storylines right now so that's probably going to be the one that's going to come out first uh so thank you for joining us for the podcast and uh please catch us next time and uh until then bye bye